Good morning. Good morning and welcome to church. I almost missed my cue then. I was enjoying that worship so much and then I suddenly looked up and thought, oh my gosh, that's me. Um, so welcome. Take this moment. If Welcome if you're online. Big welcome if you're down in Yarram this morning. I hope you're enjoying the autumn rain as well. And a big welcome to you here at Sale. Take this moment to say hello to someone. Turn around, give them a big smile. I hope you've been... We haven't used smiles for a while, so practice them. If you're on, online, please drop a, a little comment in the comment section. Just say hi to the people who are there so we can say hi to you and make you feel at home and welcome this morning. Lovely. And you'll be able to continue catching up with people, enjoying a bit of fellowship after the service. If you have not checked in on your church centre app this morning, like me, Um, you can pull out your phone and check in on your church centre app, whether you're online or in person, whether you're here at Sale or down in Yarram. And if you're not sure what the church centre app is that we keep talking about, it's just an app you can download on your phone uh, and that allows us just to to know where you're at. We're using it um, more and more as a means of communication to let you know what's coming up. You can register for events um, and check in when you're at church. So if you're having any trouble downloading that or you're not quite sure what to do, just if you're down in Yarram, if you see one of the team down there, um, anyone here at Sale, just find someone who knows what the Church Centre app is and they will help you get it organised on your phone. Okie doke, a couple of quick announcements for you. Uh, The four-wheel drive trip didn't happen on Saturday due to the weather, but it's now on March the 26th and there'll be more details to come. So it's still going to happen, don't worry about that. Um, This morning we don't have any creche and we don't have any kids on this morning, so everybody's in here as one big family. Uh, Down in Yarram, you will be having a kid's time, so when I finish this sort of little MC spot, that'll be time for the kids to go over to their activity table with Sophie. So today, you might have noticed it's called Big Step Sunday, and you might be thinking, I don't quite know what that's about, but we will let you know what that's all about as the messages come during this morning. You will have got a little sheet of paper like that and for people online there'll be a little link to this um, Big Step Sunday little next steps sheet. So I'd ask you to hang on to that, listen to the messages and more importantly listen to what God's saying to you this morning and then you'll know what to do. Terrific, that's about all the messages, just let me pray before we continue on. Lord, there's so much going on in the world at the moment. We don't understand how our prayers um, move you, but we know that they do because you tell us that they do and you tell us to bring anything that's on our heart to you in prayer. Lord, this morning we want to bring those global catastrophes that we see happening the war in the Ukraine, this COVID pandemic that still rages across many countries, the other wars that go on in the background that we've forgotten about and that we ignore. Lord, the persecution 
of Christians that believe in you and live for you in so many countries. Lord, we just ask that you would intervene, that you would work your will in these places and that you would bring good because we know you can bring good from anything. Lord, we pray for the national disasters and catastrophes that we see. In particular, the the floods in Queensland and New South Wales. We pray for the people, um, the families that have lost loved ones. We pray for the many, many families that have lost uh, where they live or their businesses and the massive amount of rebuilding. Lord, we pray that you would have your will in these areas. Lord, we pray that you would move in the hearts of Christians to bring your love and your assistance to these people. And Lord, we pray for our personal catastrophes, the personal tragedies and stresses and worries that each one of us have, the big and the little. Because Lord, we know you are a loving Father and we can bring everything to you and you want us to bring everything to you in prayer. And we know that you will act and you will act and do what is good and you will bring good out of these situations, whether we see it immediately or not. So Lord, as we bring to mind those personal worries and catastrophes that we have, we just give them to you this morning and we ask that you would help us, Lord. And Father, we thank you that we can do that and you are a loving Father that will always act for what's best for us. So thank you, Lord, this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. I'd like to add to Pastor Steve's welcome to church and welcome to the online crew and welcome to our Yarram crew. It's great to have everyone joining with us this morning. Um, so my dig, big dig step, big step that I'm talking about is uh, towards church or community. So when I use the word community, I mean our community, the church community. Um, so just bear that in mind as we go along. I've got two scriptures to share with you uh, to begin with. Uh, the first is Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. It says this, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So this is clearly speaking about the benefit to us and our church community in our meeting and belonging together. We help each other, we encourage and challenge each other and the community is better because we're part of it. And then John 13 verse 34 to 35 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Broadly speaking, this is how church works, being this extraordinary community that's just so attractive to people outside that they want to join it too. And this is a big part of God's plan for the redemption of mankind. Bill Harbles used to say that the local church is the hope of the world, and I think that's really true. That we should live in his community in such a way that others are continually being drawn to God because of it. 
Sometimes we will need to use words. We'll need to tell our stories. And just as an example of some stories that uh, you might like to tell, we'll all have our own stories, but something that happened last week is uh, one of our young people needed to move house. So what she referred to as the dream team swung into action and came and picked up all her things and moved it to the new place and put them in the new house. So that's one of the ways that our church community takes care of one another. And um, yeah, just an example there. And another story for you. So our Leona, who sits, sits over there, give us a little wave, Leona. Oh, stand it up. So Leona is about to turn 94 this week. So make sure you say happy birthday to her afterwards. She can sit down again now. Um, but Leona is, uh, she's our eldest church uh, member and she is here every single Sunday morning for our prayer meeting. Um, she's one of the first people at church on a Sunday morning and she does not miss a prayer meeting, even like due to ill health or anything. If she can't come, I ring her up and we put Leona on the table and uh, she is a part of our prayer meeting and she prays for the leadership of the church, she prays for the leaders by name, she prays for the ministries of the church, not only on Sunday morning but every day during the week, we know she does. So, um, you know, there's another story. You may not have known that before, but now you do. So you can, you can share that story with people that you know and say, there's a lady at our church. She's 94. She prays for it. Like, just tell the story. Use your own words. So we can get better at telling our stories about how church has affected our life, how um, good church is for us. Um, one of the people that I like to listen to and read and follow is uh, Tom Wright. And um, he describes the, the way that the, the early church was being formed, the, the communities that Paul was planting. And he talks about them like this. He says they were worship-based, educational, egalitarian, philanthropic, fictive kinship groups, which we call church. Um, so we can unpack that a little bit. I just love... He spent some time putting that phrase together um, and it just describes the things that the church uh, can do. And so uh, as we unpack that, worship-based, that's fairly straightforward. Educational, they were literally teaching people how to read and write because people were largely functionally illiterate. Um, so if they could read, they could read the scriptures for themselves and they could understand that. Egalitarian, here's the really big one that was different for, for their culture. Um, it was everyone, Greek, Jew, slave, free, man, woman, rich, poor. Everybody could come and this is what, what really turned things around. So all of the other things that we've just described, um, people were doing those things before but not everybody was welcome to come. Not everybody was welcome to receive education. Philanthropic. Um, basically being generous, um, benevolent with your finances and helping people, like maybe helping people move house. And fictive kinship groups. So we're, we're a kinship group, but you can look around this church and just know that we're not all actually related. We're not all actually family, but we behave as if we are. 
Um, lots of us don't have family, uh, extended family, close by, and so like it or not, you guys are my family. Um, thank you. Um, so yeah, just that egalitarian one is... Um, it's no accident that one of our church values is home for all. Everybody is welcome to come here and we have room for you. It's been said that we're all asking three questions, consciously or subconsciously, all the time. Um, am I accepted? Do I have value? And do I have a place where I belong? And we're asking this of people, of relationships, of groups that we're in, um, of our organisations, of our workplace, of our school, um, everywhere all the time we are sort of testing that, like, do I belong here? Do you accept me? Do you think I have value? Um, Those are the questions that we're asking. And we know that we have a resounding yes to those questions from God. And we need to have answers to those questions from people with skin on We need to be in community. We are made in the image of God, who in the Trinity has been in community eternally. And that is why putting people in isolation, uh, not not just like we've done for the last two years, but um, if if you put people into, what do you call it, solitary confinement by themselves where they see nobody, that is a punishment. It's because that's not what we were created for. We need to be in community. This is kind of a double-sided thing. Community needs us to function well and we need community to function well. The church without people would cease to function and the people without our church community struggle to maintain our walk. So how do we be part of and live in this community called church? You'll hopefully hear this a few times today. Our focus is not to sign you up to a roster and that is why you can look as hard as you like on that form and it will not say church cleaning roster and it will not say welcome team because our focus is on what is the next best step for you um, to take you further in your faith journey. That said... Uh, There are some helpful things that you can do uh, to help connect well with the church community, both for the sake of yourself and for the sake of the community. And we can take our lead from Jesus on this. So Jesus was a part of many different sized groups. So he had crowds, he had large groups, he had smaller groups, which you would probably say are his disciples, and then he had that real intimate group um, of the people that he loved and trusted and invested in the most. So we can do that too. So for us, the large gathering might look like when we come to church or when we connect online and we, you know, online people are connecting in with this large gathering. Uh, It might mean committing financially to the large gathering. It might mean uh, becoming a member of this large gathering. Potentially, it might even mean you uh, joining church council. So membership and church council, are they just allow you to have a voice and um, everyone can have an opinion, but when it comes to voting on specific things, if you're a member, you get to help decide on some of those things. And if you're on church council, you get to kind of drive some of that um, direction and way forward. You might be part of a, a smaller group, um, a social group, 
like bike riding or coffee mornings or church picnics, um, anything like that. Smaller, smaller groups, but still quite large. Or you might be part of a small group, which is um, maybe eight to ten people and you, you know, a Bible study group, so you learn and you grow together. You might like to join an alpha group where you learn the, the basics of Christianity, the foundations. Or you could join a serving team. So historically, we've had some great times where we've served together and just that bonding that kind of comes at times like that. We can look back at uh, building the building for those people who were here. Uh, We bonded together over that. Um, Historically, we had the Community Fund Day where like 110, 120 of us were needed to make the Community Fund Day a reality. And just that bonding and sense of you know, teamwork that we got from from being on those. And dinner teams and things like that. Um, I remember when we used to have night church, that when we were looking at stopping night church, the biggest outcry came from the dinner teams. And they were like, but, you know, how are we going to enjoy our fellowship if we're not allowed to be part of the dinner team together? So there there is great value in being part of those things. So, um, and then down to prayer partners, which would be like that little... um, intimate group that Jesus had, a mentoring relationship, maybe maybe just a one-on-one. And uh, there is benefit on both sides of that mentoring relationship, let me assure you. So those are sort of some areas that you might like to consider uh, while we're looking at this area. Um, we all need to process our things and we need to do some work on our inter- eternal and eternal self, um, we need to learn and grow and become more like Jesus. And the best way that we can do this is in community. Who are you doing that with? Who are the people you're sharing deeply with? What groups are you a part of that you can do that with? Who are you walking closely beside? Do you have someone? I hope you do. If not, maybe this is a really big step for you to take, is to join a group like that. And how are you going with sharing stories about church and your faith? Maybe those couple of stories that I told you before, you could say, here's what happens at our church when when somebody needs to move this, you know, our church community comes together. It's a great story for us to tell, but even greater story for those people who were involved to tell. What did you do on the weekend? Well, here's what I did. Did you know that person? No, not really. But that's what our church community does. We love one another. So how are you going with telling those stories? And what is the desire of your heart for all of this? For being part of church community? For being part of a group like that? One final story, something that happened last Sunday that I will just describe to you. So we had our almost youngest person, really tiny, um, crawl up to Leona because she was here really early. Um, And Leona walks with a frame to help her walk. And this little guy crawled up to the frame and he pulled himself up to stand on on her frame. And so now they were both using it to stand. And I just, when I saw that, I just thought, what a picture of the church that is, that we all need some help to stand. We all need some help to walk along. And when you've got the youngest and the oldest with 93 years plus difference between them, and they both need help to stand, I just, hopefully you can get a little picture of that in your mind, because I have one. And 
yeah, just that encouragement to you that we all need help to stand and to walk, and we do that best when we do it together. So let's stand and pray, and as I do that, the band can come up. Um, you'll notice that it's a little different today. Um, and as I, yeah, as I, as I pray and uh, as we uh, go into this next song, I just ask you to open yourself to whatever God might be saying to you in this area, in taking a big step towards church community. God, we thank you so much for the way that you have called us into this extraordinary community that we call church. God, we thank you that we are family, that we care for one another in extraordinary ways. God, thank you for, for the church that you saw, for the church that you saw stretching out into the future that, that has this capacity to reach people in your name. And God, we know that we don't just uh, be here for our own sake, but that we, we are part of your plan for redemption for all of, all of society, all of mankind. And God, I pray that as we continue to live out our faith and as we continue to uh, help each other walk together well, God, that this will be an incredible witness to all of those around us. God, I pray that you speak to us this morning. You, you show us the next step that we can take to be doing that better for your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, God, for how you are moving in our hearts this morning, and we just pray that you continue to stir us for what our next big step with you is going to be. Thank you, God. Thank you, team. You can be seated. It's a lot of standing up and sitting down this morning, but it's on purpose. It's not just to... Uh, test your leg muscles to see how good your squats are. Uh, it's so that you have an opportunity to respond to the Word of God before you hear the next snippet. So I hope that uh, for some of you, God stirred in your heart and uh, encouraged you about what your next step toward community is this morning. I get to speak this morning about uh, our next steps toward mission. I'm really excited about it. I think I got the best one, but I probably would have thought that if I'd got any of them, that I got the best one. Uh, now, some of you right away like, cool, cool, cool mission, this one's not for me, um, because your, your mind jumps straight to overseas ministry and overseas mission uh, and providing practical needs for people in developing communities and providing the gospel, and if that is you then, uh, and you feel encouraged and excited by that, then I encourage you, hold on to that uh, and chase down that, but if you're sitting there thinking, that is not for me, overseas mission is not something that is for me, uh, mission of God, whatever, I'll tune back in when Steve gets up. I want to challenge you this morning that the mission of God is for all of us. The mission of God is for all of us. In fact, that's part of God's incredible plan that we get to participate in his mission on earth. Good? Everybody tuned in? Got your pieces of paper ready to tick some things you want to be involved in? Write down some things you want to be a part of? So when I think about these three steps I was saying to Steve and Jackie this morning, I think of uh, the, the commandments and the commission. Love God, love people, make disciples. So I get to talk about make disciples this morning, because really that is the mission of God on earth, to make disciples. And so when we think about taking our next step in mission, what we're really talking about is taking our next step in discipleship, in making disciples, in carrying out the mission of God on this earth. So I'm going to read to you, the commission. That makes sense, doesn't it? So we turn in our Bibles to Matthew 28, verse 18, says, And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the mission of God, that we would go and make disciples. This is what, uh, what Jesus leaves them with. He says, this, this is what it's about. Go and make disciples. Disciple people toward a relationship with Jesus. When we speak about discipleship, sometimes we think mentorship, taking a young Christian and helping them grow in their faith. But that's not the picture of discipleship in Scripture. That's not the example that Jesus gives us. He takes uh, 12 burly guys who have no idea and disciples them to look more like himself, to look more like lovers of Jesus, to become toward their relationship with God not from it. Does that make sense? Like oftentimes we get people like, well, we'll get them in and the pastors and the preachers and the, the evangelical ones with the right personality type, they will, they'll, they'll have that moment, they'll lead them in that prayer and then we'll disciple them from there. But that's not the pitch that we see in scripture. We see Jesus discipling toward, uh, toward relationship, yeah? So uh, God doesn't require... He doesn't require well-organized ministries in order to carry out his mission. And aren't we glad? <laughs> because I don't know about, like, I'm youth ministry forever. It's not necessarily the best organized ministry. It's a lot of fun, though. But thankfully, God doesn't require well-organized ministries to carry out his mission on earth. What he does require is people willing to say yes to his call people willing to say yes to his call. Oh, John put up a little countdown timer for me because I knew I would be the one who goes over, but don't worry about it because I talk really fast. So just, we're going we're to get through it. <clears throat> it requires people to take up the call and the commission to make disciples. Now, notice that in this scripture, there's no prerequisites, no caveats, no rules, no uh, the preachers will do it, the, the missionaries will do it, the people with uh, the right personality type will do it, the people who um, don't have small children, because people with small children are really busy, so they don't have to do it, and the people who have busy jobs, um, they don't have to do it, and it, that's not in there at all. It's not in there at all. It's for everyone. This is for everyone. One of, our, um, one of our church values uh, is about, let me find it, I have it here, ready as we are, growing as we go. And then it says God uses ordinary people to achieve extraordinary things. Ordinary people to achieve extraordinary things. Dale Stevenson, uh, who is the senior pastor of Crossway Baptist, he talks about this scripture a lot. And, um, and I'm glad that he does because there's something that he says about it that I've heard him say about it a lot of times and it makes it land in my head and I hold to it and remember. Uh, when we hear go therefore and make disciples, we think that's the command. Go. Off you go. Off you go and make disciples. But actually, the com it's not. It's an ing it should be an ing word. Ing, I-N-G word. <laughs> translated from the Greek, it should be going, right? So it would be better translated as you are going. And then the command is make disciples. As you are going, make disciples. As you are going about your life, make disciples. As you are going to work, make disciples. As you are going about raising your family, make disciples. As you are going about serving in ministry, make disciples. As you are going about your life, make disciples. That's a, 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 better, a better sort of translation because, because it's not making disciples, the mission of God 
is not about a personality type, it's a blood type, a Jesus blood poured out for you kind of type, right? Something that we are all called to do as we go about our lives. Now, I don't know about you, some of, some of you, and I, and I have been prone to, you might be making a list in your head right now of all the reasons why you are not the right person, why you should be disqualified from this mission. I don't know enough, let's leave that to the Bible college educated people, let's leave that to the wise people who know all the answers, let's leave that to the people who are older, let's leave that to the people who are wiser. Again, it doesn't say that anywhere in scripture. (laughs) This is the mission of God in the hands of ordinary people, ready as we are, growing as we go, God using ordinary people to achieve extraordinary things. That is the mission of God and whatever that looks like uh, in, in the mission field. And we know this because the example that Jesus gives us in Scripture is really clear. Like, the guys Jesus picks are not, probably not like the people I would have picked to carry out the mission of uh, establishing the early church and, and, and discipling people to Jesus. Um, so let me, I'm going to read uh, The Bible's Wiser Than Me, so let's read some of that. In Luke chapter 9... Verse 1 to 3, Jesus um, commissions the 12 for the first time, and he says, Then Jesus called the 12 together, and he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So that's in at the very start of chapter 9. And then at the end of chapter 9, so God has, Jesus has sent them out, like, you're out there. Heal the sick, like, do, do the good work, but also proclaim who God is, Right? Get out there, and this is like essentially language for start making disciples, start telling people about who God is. And then at the end of this chapter, uh, Jesus says, all right, we're going to go into that town, and we're going to, you know, we're going to stay there, and, what, and the people in the town say, no, nah, nah, absolutely not. We don't want Jesus here, and we don't want those 12 guys here, and we're not, no, right? And James and John, who are like, some of Jesus is like, when Pastor Jackie's talking about your close people, like these guys are part of the close people, they say, I'm going to read it to you, when the disciples James and John saw that they didn't want Jesus in the town, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? I don't know about you, but like they don't, they're sort of missing the point a little, aren't they, right? Like, but Jesus has already sent them out. And he's already said, get out there and just talk, start talking about how good God is. But they're still the kind of guys who are like, let's rain down fire from heaven on people who upset us. <laughs> they're not perfect. They're not, not the perfect candidates in our eyes. They're not the perfect candidates in our eyes. But then Jesus is very gracious. He turns to them and rebukes them, so they do get in a little bit of trouble. Uh, but then they just move on. A little bit of correction from Jesus. And then they move on to another village. These are the guys that God picked, that Jesus picked. Uh, and then, how about later uh, in Luke, in Luke chapter 9, we see um, Peter, James, John, again, Jesus' close guys, they come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, right? And, uh, and they get down there, they get down, and the, uh, a father is like, Jesus, I've been trying to get your disciples to help me out here, but they're useless. It says, I begged your disciples to cast a spirit out of my son, and they just, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They've already been commissioned. They've already been told they have the power to do and authority to do these things, but they just, they couldn't do it. They failed. Do you ever feel like you just fail at what God's calling you to do? Doesn't matter. These guys were big failures too, right? Uh, toward the end of his discipleship journey with Jesus, um, Jesus is predicting his own death. So this is like quite far into the time that the disciples had with Jesus. He's predicting his own death. 
And after three years with, with Jesus, Peter is still just missing the point of the whole thing. So after Jesus predicts his death, uh, Peter pulls him aside. It says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus is like, how? N- no. He actually says, get behind me, Satan, right? But, like, he doesn't. He, after three years, is not catching it. That, like, that's, Jesus is talking about his death and resurrection and the, the redemptive power of that, of salvation in the world. And Peter's like, that will never happen, God. That will ne-. He's just totally missing the point. Sometimes we miss the point. It's okay. God can still use us, just ordinary people, not to mention that in chapter 10, like, we all know Peter denies Jesus, not the person I would have chosen, or in John chapter 20, Thomas is like, nope, I don't believe it, I don't believe it unless I see it, don't, do not believe it unless I see it, and actually, the verse before the Great Commission says, in verse 16, it says, then uh, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mount where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. But some doubted. Like right before he gives this great commissioning of go therefore and make disciples, as you're going, make disciples, some doubted. Some doubted at that point. And so can I encourage and challenge you this morning, whatever it is that you think excludes you from ministry and, and this mission, it doesn't. It doesn't exclude you from the mission of God, which is to, as you go, make disciples. So when we talk about taking a next step in in carrying out mission, a step toward mission, perhaps it does look like a challenge for your heart to oversee ministry or mission, but perhaps it just looks like discipling your friend to Jesus. Perhaps, you know, I mean, there is some spaces on our teams. Perhaps it looks like joining youth ministry and discipling a young person or young adults, or, but maybe it doesn't. Like, if the teams don't end up full, but more people end up knowing Jesus because you take a step toward mission, then that's, that's good. Then that's good. So when, we are, when we're thinking about taking a step toward mission, I want to challenge you. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things, and he wants to use you to carry out his mission. So what does that look like? What commitment does that take from you? Well, only you can know that. That's between you and God. So we're going to ask you to stand again. And we're going to worship together. And firstly, and you're welcome to stand. The band's going to get organized. I want you to consider what it is that you think excludes you, excludes you from the mission of God. Because as far as I can see, there's, there's nothing that excludes you from the mission of God. So ask God to to work in that area of your heart. And then I want you to, as the band lead us in worship and we encounter the presence of God, I want you to speak to God. And some of you might need to have tough conversations with him about where it is that he's calling you to take a next step. Is it a team here at SBC that you need to join, perhaps at SBC Yarram, or uh, to be part of the online team in some way? Or perhaps it is just to pray for your friend at work or to begin a discipleship relationship with someone you know who doesn't love Jesus yet, that is the mission of God. So ask God, God, reveal to me what it is that I think excludes me from ministry. And God, where is it that you're asking me to step toward you and step toward your mission? Because God uses ordinary people to achieve extraordinary things. God, we thank you for how you're moving in our hearts this morning. Would you stir us up and challenge us to be more like your son, Jesus? And God, would you help us to take up your mission, your mission to see the lost come home to you? Amen. Okay, have a seat.
So I get to talk about our next steps towards God. So we've talked about our steps towards community, our steps towards mission, and I get to talk about our steps towards God. And I think our relationship with God is best expressed as a journey. So I like this language that we use at SBC of steps and what's your next step. Because our, our life with God is like a journey of a lot of little steps and occasional big steps. So sometimes we step along really easily. We're reading the Bible every day, we're praying deeply, we're quietly waiting on God. It's just like strolling down a beautiful grassy path But sometimes we feel like we lose the path. We find ourselves in a dark, dry, barren place. We're not sure what the next step is. We pray and there's no answer. We read with little inspiration or understanding. And our questions and our doubts about God just keep growing and growing in our head. But like all journeys, we only get to our destination, we only move towards where we're going if we take another step. We put one foot in front of the other and that's just like it is with moving towards God, no matter where you are, whether you find you're in a great place and you're strolling along with big strides or whether you find you're looking around going, I don't know where the path is. But taking a next step is what is going to get you there. So some steps towards God are things that we've already mentioned. It might be finding out more about Jesus and more about Christianity, what Jesus meant by uh, perhaps joining an Alpha course. It might be joining a small group and learning together more about God. Some other steps might be committing to reading the Bible every day, starting a Bible reading plan or a daily devotional to encourage you, or taking time to spend with God daily, committing to a quiet time of prayer and reflection. It might even be choosing to believe in God's goodness towards you when circumstances tell you otherwise, when you feel like you're abandoned, sort of seeking for what God is teaching you or developing in you through the tough times. But this is Big Step Sunday, so in my opinion there's three big steps towards God. The first one is turning back to God when you've turned away and giving your life back into His hands. And that can happen to us on our journey. Occasionally, we do lose our focus on God. Occasionally, we do turn away and we stray off the path. But there is a time, there's a big step to turn back to God. Another big step is being baptised. So making that public declaration that you've died to yourself and you give your life entirely into God's hands. And that's something even Jesus did. It's just as if the old you was dead and buried to be born again as a new, fresh child of God. But I think the biggest of all big steps, the big step, is to put your faith in Jesus as the Saviour and the Lord of your life for the very first time. Admitting that we are all sinful, we all make mistakes and we all fail recognising that Jesus died to make us clean again before God, now and forever. So we can come to God as a son or a daughter, giving Jesus control of our life to guide us and advise us, knowing that He only wants the best for us. 
And knowing that when our life on earth is over, he will welcome us into an everlasting life where there's no sadness and there's no pain. In the Bible, in the Gospel of John, it says, yet to all who did receive him, that's to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So if you believe in Jesus, you have the right to be a child of God. So Jesus told a story to help illustrate what this biggest of steps looked like. Uh, and you can find it in Luke. It's called The Prodigal Son. And you probably know the story, but I'll quickly paraphrase it for you in my version. So there's a father and he has two sons. And the youngest son comes and he's not going to inherit most of the property, but he's going to inherit some of the property when dad dies. But he says, Dad, I want to live my own life. Like, I don't want to hang around until you die. I've got stuff to do. I, I know what I want to do. So I want my inheritance now. So dad loves him and he says, okay, um, here you go. This is, I'll sign over. This is your part of the estate. So immediately the son turns that into cash, sells his half the estate, goes off to a distant country and he lives it up. He does whatever he wants. He's cashed up. He's having fun. He's living his life. He's doing exactly what he wants to do. But as time goes by, funds start to run out. The country he's living in hits hard times. And suddenly he finds he doesn't have what he needs. He doesn't have anything. So he thinks, oh, I'll go and work for someone. So he goes to work for someone. And I want you to imagine the most disgusting job you can think of. In Jesus' time, they were Jewish. It was feeding pigs. It was working with pigs. They were an unclean, horrible animal. If you had to pick a most disgusting job for a Jewish person, it would have been working with pigs. So that's what this son in the story does. So I want you to imagine in our culture, what's the most disgusting thing you can think of having to do to earn something to put food on your table? And that's what this son had to turn to. And even then, even doing this most disgusting of jobs, he didn't have enough. He was slowly starving. So one day he says to himself, this is stupid. Even the people who work on my father's estate have more than enough to eat. What am I doing here? So he says, I'm going to turn back. I'm going to go back to dad. And I'm going to say, dad, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. Because I should never have just cashed up everything and done my own thing. Look, can I just work for you? I just want to be a worker on your estate. That's what I'm going to do. So he starts heading back. Now his father, meanwhile, has been looking out for him every day, waiting to see if his son will return. And he sees him eventually coming down the road a long way off. And he runs to meet him. And he grabs his son in this great embrace and his son says, starts his speech, God, Dad, look, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I just, just want to be a worker and his dad won't have any of it. He says, no, nothing. He says, get a robe, put a ring on his finger. You're my son. You're my son and you've come home. You were dead. It was like you were dead, but now you've come back to life. It was like you were lost somewhere, but now you're found. You're home. You're my son. And he welcomes him back into that home. And he welcomes him back in with 
that right to be a child of his. So he wasn't just going to be someone who worked for his dad. He was a son again, with all that meant. So whatever your age, it doesn't matter if you're in primary school, it doesn't matter if you're like Leona in the most tertiary of tertiary schools in life. Whatever your age, God is waiting and watching to welcome you home, back to where you belong and where you were made to be. If this morning you believe God is real, that Jesus died so that you can be forgiven and you're ready to give Jesus control of your life and to live for him, then you're ready to take that big step into a relationship with God. But we remember that we're all on our own journey and all our journeys are unique. Some of you have already taken that big step. Some people are ready to take it this morning, maybe, here or in Yarram or online. And some people aren't ready to take that big step yet. Today is not the day for them. And that is okay. Your journey towards God is unique. And He will never force you into that relationship. He'll never force you into His arms. But He will meet you when you turn to Him. So like the loving Father He is, He'll wait for you until you're ready. So when we finish today... There'll be an opportunity to think about some of the many steps we've talked of um, as you consider what the next step on your journey is towards community, towards mission or towards God. And probably in all those, any of those, community, mission and God, it's all working towards God. Uh, You'll have that sheet. Either you'll have a paper sheet or online, there'll be a link. Um, And you can indicate just where you think your next step might be heading. When you fill in one of those forms, we'll be able to catch up with you during the week and help you with that next step. Uh, Answer any questions you might have about that next step. Now, you can come to God and give your life anytime or anywhere. It's it's not just a church thing. And, And that's reflected in the fact that we don't ask for that sort of response of giving your life to God every week when we get up and give a message. And maybe we should, but we don't. And it's something you can do anytime. But today, if you're ready to take one of the big steps of maybe turning back to God, if you find you've turned away off the path, or being prepared to give your life to God for the very first time, then for those here at the Sale campus, I'd ask you, um, as we're singing this last song, to come down the front um, so we can pray with you. And if you're in Yarram and you'd like some prayer to respond to any of the things you've heard this morning about steps, if you make your way over to the left of the room where the piano is, the team will be able to meet and pray with you there. And if you're online, you'll be able to click on the prayer link and someone will meet with you online and be able to pray with you. If you're a young person, and you feel like, yeah, I want to take that big step, then I'd ask you, come down the front, but bring your parents with you, so we can talk all together. So let's just pray as we close today. Let's stand.
Lord, I thank you that you give us the right to be your children. You give us a chance to be a son or a daughter. You give us a chance to be welcomed home, not to be a worker, not to fill a roster, not to just do a duty, but to be welcomed home, a home where we're loved, where we will find that we are valuable, we will find our identity, uh, and we'll find peace. So I pray, speak to us. Prompt us what our next step is as we take this journey with you. And Lord, I, I thank you so much that you are a loving Father and you wait with your arms open wide for all of us as we move towards you. So thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. So during this last, last song, take this moment to reflect on what God is saying to you today, right now, about your next step. If you want to take that big step of trusting God for the first time or turning back or coming home to God once again, or anyone who would just like prayer in response to something you heard this morning, either come down the front here at Sale or over to the left of the room at Yarram or click on the prayer link online.